Welcome to episode number 30 of the TechMap podcast. In today's show, I'm talking with Howard Kosky, who is the CEO and founder of a company called 4DC. And 4DC is a global strategic podcast consultancy. So as you can imagine, we are talking about podcasting on a podcast. And the reason for this is because really this medium has had a bit of a renaissance in the last couple of years. And we've seen an explosion in the number on type of of podcasts that you can listen to. And I think it's very easy and very tempting for brands or agencies to kind of have that shiny penny syndrome and to jump into this area without really understanding how to do it. The best approach is to take to, to build an entertainment channel for brands to engage their audience or for your agency to provide that service to your clients. And so I wanted to really explore that in more detail. And and that's really what led me to Howard as a bit of an expert and a a vocal expert in this space. I'm sure he won't mind me calling him that. Uh, It was great to spend some time with him in his studio in London and just to to really explore this area in more detail. You know, how is it brands and as agencies we can work with podcasting as a way to uh, engage our audiences, to make a difference, to reach our objectives. And that's what this show is all about. So. I hope you take something out of it. Uh, Let us have some feedback. Let us know what you think in the iTunes comments or on Facebook. Always love to hear your thoughts. Um, But in the meantime, I hope you enjoy the show. So let's get straight into it. Howard, good morning. Good morning there. How are you? I am very good. How are you? I'm very well, thank you. Howard, it's a real pleasure to be here. It's pretty unusual for me to be sat in a studio recording this podcast. It's quite a nice environment to be in. You should see where I normally am with a barking dog at the side of me and sometimes a bit flatulent as well. <laughs> what, you or the dog? The dog. Oh, the, dog yeah, the dog. <laughs> <laughs> but it makes perfect sense that I would, of course, be in a studio with you today because we are talking about podcasting from a, a very professional point of view. And so that's what I want to explore today is, you know, how can people use podcasting as a way to grow their brand, grow their business or whatever their objectives are. And I think you're just the man for the job to put some uh, some light on that avenue. So I know who you are, but our listeners might not. So would you mind if we kicked off by you just telling us a bit about who you are and what you do? Sure. Um, my formal job title is I'm the CEO of Marketers 40C Group of companies, uh, broadcast specialists. Uh, and for the last 30 years, uh, 25 of those in Marketers, um, has been looking at how to maximize the use of broadcast medium um, to deliver brand messaging, uh, whether that be through radio, TV, um, social video, video, live streaming, podcasts um, that have been and gone and obviously they're back again in vogue Um, (laughs) but in essence if in a nod in a non-ad environment if broadcast media can be used um, channel platform wise to serve messaging that's what we do as a business Um, and please so we've been doing it for 25 years well done very good yeah (laughs) no mean feat to run an agency for such a long time and to to work with i guess the kind of clients you've been servicing in that area yeah, we're very fortunate. I mean, we, we work both with the agency sector and brand direct. Um, and obviously, over the 25 years, the, the landscapes have shifted a little bit. Um, but the great news is, you know, we work major corporate organizations, whether it be a Rolls-Royce, uh, BMW Group, uh, telcos, agency networks. It's We probably have about 200, 250 active clients at any one time uh, that we're representing and working for. Um, yeah, running probably about 80 projects a month. 
Very good. Very busy. It's very busy indeed. <laughs> Hence 110 people. <laughs> well, yeah, you need that to service those kind of clients. But today, we don't want to look at your business. We want to look at podcasting as a, as a medium, as a way for uh, brands or for agencies to grow their businesses, to reach their objectives. And it, as you said there, it's quite interesting. There has been a real resurgence in podcasting. I don't know, in the last sort of 12 months, it's really become popular again. And I think we started to record podcasts for our clients about three or four years ago. And had they carried on recording podcasts, they would now be enormous. But of course, it's a long-term investment to record a series of podcasts and you have to have a long-term view to do that. But what I'd love to do today is just to look at why podcasting and then I guess how podcasting, because sure. it's very easy to do a bad podcast. It is indeed. It's very difficult to do a good podcast. So I'd love to explore, you know, from your point of view, what, what makes a successful podcast? Sure. But uh, why don't we kick off with a why? I think it's probably the question that gets asked every day at the moment because they are, dare I use the word, fashionable. Um, they're very much in vogue at the moment. And there's a number of reasons. Um, my two penneth worth for you is, first of all, I'd say we've seen a boom in video in the last decade. Um, the, if I said to you that the eyes are becoming burnt out, I think okay. I think one of the key factors of you know let, we'll come round to why podcasts and, and audio is a format and what it is it's radio on demand, but it's but it's you know if you look at some of the reasons why I think it's also because for for a number of years video has been boom, and I think whilst it, video is very powerful, at the same time I think as audiences we've had a bit too much exposure to video there mm. is too much video and the eyes burn out you know you, you know with, with your no matter what age your profile i've got a daughter in her 20s she's forever on some kind of device looking at some form of television asset yes yeah you know, and, and as a parent as a father my encouragement to her is would you please get off the device because your eyes are burning in other words <laughs> you can just see that she's a bit wired at the end of it um but you know for, for me if i think you know the, if you look at the opportunity you've got smartphone proliferation the the accessibility the portability so there's a number of very natural reasons why audiences i think are consuming them i think the other part of that is if you look at traditional radio you look at the boom of the likes of lbc so there is an absolute appetite for speech based content mm. not to be critical of the commercial radio networks but a lot of them play the same music Again and again and again. <laughs> I agree. Yeah, now, and and the reality is that as audiences, as consumers, we are very you know we love radio. Ra- radio hasn't dipped anywhere. You know, twenty odd years ago when MTV launched, everyone said, "Oh, you know, video is going to kill the radio star." Radio figures, radio listenership is holding firm. In fact, with podcast and digital, it's growing. Mm. So it's great news. But look at the reasons why it's portable, it's accessible, it's easy. You know, you're not going to drive watching a video. Yeah, if you're in your car, the ability now is you can listen to radio or you can listen to a podcast mm. because of Bluetooth okay. technology. So accessibility, portability, the fact that to concentrate on listening to a podcast is a slightly different type of concentration to watching a video. It is. It is. And and I guess from my point of view there, I'm just thinking through listening to the radio is a very passive activity. Listening to a podcast, at least for me, is... It, it, it's not so passive. I have to actually concentrate to engage that content. Yeah. Well, you've selected to download to listen. So so what you tend to find is that I think podcasts are leveraging human behavior 
and acknowledging what it is that, that we as humans want to do when we want to do it. So it's giving us the best of radio in an on-demand environment. It's the net, it's the Netflix model, isn't it? It's the fact that, do you know what? I want to listen to that bit of radio when I want to listen to it. And the choice is there. So you've got, you know, iTunes has got a library of 700,000 podcasts. And that's just iTunes, let alone Spotify and others. <laughs> Yes, there's room yeah. to be 20 minute episodes so there's going to be something for everyone yes but at the point at which I select to download to listen I'm indexed mm. I, I'm a bit more engaged so but at the same time if you look at consumption rates of you know in, I think it's about 24 minutes in the UK at the moment yeah people are listening to podcasts while they're doing a housework while they're on commutes you know in other words there are if you look at the habit you know if, if and it's not just London based this is throughout the whole of the UK Actually, if I'm commuting to work, whether it be underground, overground car, if I've got half an hour, what am I going to do? Mm. That's exactly right. So I used to commute into London every day and every day I put on a podcast because I had my train journey was, I think, 45 minutes from start to finish. So just the right amount of time, pretty much to consume an episode of my favorite podcasts at the time. Uh, and that's kind of where I started to get into podcasting was the value I was getting in that time. The headphones on, sit back, close my eyes, and I can just absorb. But it's interesting that you mentioned the Netflix model there, because I think it's absolutely right. It's when I want to consume that content on and off. But if I contrast that experience to an audio book, for example, I just can't, I just can't listen to them. I just I find it much more difficult, which is interesting. I think that it's because of the style of the production. Yeah. You know, I think one of the most underrated skills in media is that of a radio producer. If you, you know, I'd argue that TV producers of fame get a lot of plaudits. You know, everyone will hold up, you know, say, oh, that's a most magnificent producer. Well, because there is a lot of visibility to it. But I think people are perhaps a little bit unaware of quite the skill of the production team that sits behind a good radio program. You know, you'll listen to a presenter on a breakfast show or, or, or mid morning, mid afternoon drive. And and you'll think the majority of it is that presenter is excellent. Yes, like it's, it sounds so ad lib. It sounds so natural. Yet actually, the truth is, for very very successful radio shows, the production team in pre-production that sit behind it, they've not scripted it to the word. No, but they have scripted that program. They've scripted it. They they know what they want. They know what it is that the the listener they want to feel and, and engage with is in terms of an output. So a good podcast needs to sound quite natural and conversational in manner, but actually is well produced. Yes. Whereas an audio book is quite is is dare I say not is is script is so scripted, it sounds scripted because it is scripted. Mm, absolutely. And and I perhaps maybe an audio you know, to me, obviously we you know, I haven't done have the proof point here in front of me, but perhaps with an audio book, someone is reading a script. Yes. Almost. Whereas a great podcast is it sounds conversational and relaxed in manner. Absolutely. Hopefully just like this. Hopefully. <laughs> <laughs> okay, so there's clearly a growing demand and a growing listenership for podcasting. And the, and the way we consume content obviously is shifting in terms of, you know, a good example is the BBC Sounds app. You know, it's exactly audio on demand. Obviously not a big fan over there, Howard. But uh, <laughs> it's a great tool, just like the iPlayer is in terms of the TV content you can consume as you go. And I love that as well. So from a from a... A podcaster point of view, it's great to have the ability to, you know, open up to those different audiences, have that that way to engage my audience. It's great. From a marketeer's point of view, 
podcasting as well as becoming a channel in which I could get my message out as well. So yeah. there's, a, I think, a growth in the number of networks out there where you can publish your podcast and they will um, sell advertising space for Correct. you as a podcaster. Yeah. So, but, but is that becoming a channel that is uh, comparable to radio, do you think? Or are we still some way away from that in terms of its effectiveness? Uh, I think there is a danger in comparing podcasts to anything else. Um, I've done, we're doing a lot of studying and studies at the moment into the value of a podcast listener and trying to profile them. And if you look at the model of how they're being sold, so if, if you look from a brand perspective, you can get involved in podcasting different levels. You can do as a, as a, as a media, you, uh, you can buy spots, you can buy in-reads, you can do sponsorship, but then you can also produce your own. You can do podcasts live, so or you could be a guest, you know, such as you know. In other words, there are there are many ways in which you can approach podcasting. The danger is the modelling. So if you just look at the price point of how media agencies or brands value podcasts at the moment, you can buy on a CPM. Mm, okay. So CPM rates in the UK higher in the US. Um, which is good. It shows that the, perhaps the value of the podcast listener in the UK is, is slightly more because of the supply demand mm, okay. uh, availability. But the truth is, if I said to you that an average CPM in a podcast, let's say it's eighteen twenty pounds, that that to me undervalues massively the the listener mm. in terms of a brand. Mm. If the brand becomes a producer. So if as a brand you decide that your approach into podcasting is I want to produce a series because it's quite fashionable. We're seeing a lot of brands saying, oh, we want to do a series without necessarily auditing first what the landscape looks like. You know, is there going to be a reason why your podcast is going to be one that people find? And when they find it, listen, download it and then build a community yes. with it. Yes. What, what, what is your point of difference? What is the tonality of your voice? Why? Now, if you are a brand and you do it successfully, which requires a bravery and commitment, then the great news is over a period of time, you will build up a strong community. Now, I would argue the value of that community is greater than a CPM model. You know, if I'm B2B or B2C and I build a community of, say, 10,000, 20,000 regular downloads, 100,000 downloads, to try and monetize that on a CPM model doesn't work as mm, far as I'm agreed. concerned. Yet the current modeling for buying podcasting is straight CPM. Mm. So you're comparing it to a digital ad spend not even radio. So I, I think the concern I've got is when brands are looking at podcasting, one, I think they see an entry point that's quite cheap and inexpensive because there aren't that many podcasts delivering over 10,000 downloads an episode. And, and at the point at which you're going to buy onto a platform, whether it be an audio boom, an Acaster, whoever, actually they will only monetize podcasts that have got over 10,000 downloads per episode. You're now seeing other digital platforms mm. out there where they're off, they're almost like building networks. So as a, as a brand, I could buy maybe a million downloads, but it's going to be a random collection of maybe 100 different podcasts. Mm. So how do you target so, your you audiences? It. So yeah. at the moment, I think the, 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 the call out I've got on a lot of brand involvement is brands turn around and say, yeah, we want to be in podcasting because it's a little bit fashionable. And the, they rush into it at times, not necessarily auditing yes. correctly. What is the correct approach to doing podcasts, and how do I influence and access into the podcasting yes. environment? The, you know, 
the consumption rate of averaging 24 minutes in the UK. You have That means you have 24 minutes of people listening to your podcast. It's over 80% of people listen right the way to an end of a podcast. Mm. Now... To have how, you, how many? 80%? Over 80%. I think it's. I think the latest stats I saw, it's nearer to 93, 94. Yeah, okay. But if I, if I select to download and listen to a podcast, so this podcast could be 30 minutes, 40 minutes, unless we've done a very bad job, most people will have a level of interest to go beyond the first 30 seconds. I hope so. One minute. <laughs> that people will compare to video. Yes. Video, no, you won't have me for 24 minutes. No, no, you've got I, eight seconds to impress upon someone there. Right. Yeah, It's a completely different behavioural habit. Uh, absolutely. So the great news for a brand, if you recognise that in the UK, certainly consumption rate is over 20 minutes, what a fantastic opportunity to be able to deliver good content. But don't bastardise it. Mm, okay. Don't suddenly, because you are the publisher, produce what you want to say. And I think, again, where some brands go wrong is there's a formula of, right, well, let's get talent to voice it. Let's get celebrity, da, 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 tick, 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 tick. That's our podcast model. Yes. Okay. What they, but if you're a publisher, which is, in fact, what you're going to be if you produce your own, do you audit what your audience are going to be interested in listening to and build backwards? And so I think brands, because, you know, Ofcom doesn't regulate podcasts, is there's, yeah, we, we, you, you, we can say and do whatever we want. Is that right? This, yeah, we can say <laughs> and do whatever we want. Because when, now a broadcaster who produces a podcast is regulated under the fact they're a broadcaster first. I see. So they, they're still bound by their regulation. But as an independent producer of podcasts, we can, we can say and do as we see fit, less restriction. So the brands if they're not careful, think, well, I've got complete freedom, so I'll produce what I want. So there's a real danger then. There's a kind of shiny penny syndrome. Everyone's doing podcasting. We've got to jump on that bandwagon. We've got to produce some content. And then they don't really take a step back to understand what's the audience, what are they going to be interested in, how does that relate to my brand, my brand messaging, so on and so forth. So you're seeing in the marketplace people rushing in there, putting out a podcast, and then failing. Yeah. Or not getting the response they were hoping for. Yeah. Not to name names because it wouldn't be fair to do so, but if you look at the small business sector in general, there are a plethora of podcasts available. There are many banks and financial services organizations out there that are producing podcast series at the moment, and it's formulaic. Now, we are we are an SME, 110 people, nice size, you know, work, global business. Do I want to listen to a podcast about business rates? <laughs> do I want to listen to a podcast about how to export? Now, the I, fo- I can tell by the expression in your face, the answer is no, but our <laughs> listeners can't see that. But, but, but yeah, because actually, that's but the but the financial organisations, they that's what they want to tell me. Yes, that may not be what I want to to be interested in. So they're using it as an advertising channel as opposed to a media channel to actually engage and entertain. Yeah, and yeah. they don't, you know, perhaps they're not recognising how we'll consume this. Mm. Yeah, okay. when am I going to listen to this? What what do they want as a behavioural shift that comes out the back of it? Mm. Is it they're trying to build brand sentiment? Is it a call to action? What what is their motivation for doing it? And again, unless you answer a series of questions up front that are positive, it might be that producing your own podcast is not necessarily the route mm. to go. No, I agree. I agree. Because so, the bravery and commitment required is 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 is, is intense. You know, how many clients we you we you know. Oh, we, we want to do a series of six episodes. 
well, what do you want? What are you expecting to achieve by six episodes? <laughs> yes, yeah, absolutely. Yeah. I've had this conversation quite a few times actually with clients that, that that think it's a good idea, but in actual fact, it's not for them. Um, we've steered them away from actually going down this road because there's a lot of time involved in creating this sort of content. And you know, if you're not adding value, you're not entertaining at the same time. It'll be a very short listener relationship. So I think a lot of marketeers then just need to go back to 101, basically, and say, look, what's the strategy here before we jump in and fill our boots with uh, podcasting mics and booms and studios and all that good stuff that is actually a lot of fun. Yeah, and, it, and it's not filled of dreams. Yeah. <laughs> you know, but, but again, a lot of people think we'll produce a podcast. Oh, how many downloads will we get? Yes. Yeah. Well, if you're, if you're uploading on iTunes, just as one example, how are people going to find you? Mm. You know, you're doing audiograms, thumbnails, what's the visibility? Are you, uh, how are you working with the rest of the organization on the cross-fertilization of the publicity around your podcast series? If you haven't got the buy-in from other parts and other stakeholders within the business, you are at risk that you put a lot of effort into producing something that no one's going to get to hear. So we're really moving into how do you make podcasts work really well? Because we talked there about the marketing and the distribution, as it were, to make sure that you get listeners to your to your work. But before we get onto that side, let's just look, if we may, at what makes a good podcast in the first place. What are the ingredients of a podcast that people will engage with? What do you see the most successful podcasters doing that works? I think a commonality in terms of DNA is very good orators, people who, you know, can talk non-script, non-official scripted, but actually where there's a good dynamic mm. where the listener actually feel, feels it, hears it, senses it, that it's real. So depending on what podcast you download and what you listen to, you're going you're gonna to want to be informed, you're going to be entertained. You're not going to want to sound formulaic. The, the, I think part of the danger is when a brand enters into podcasting, they try and create this formula for the perfect podcast rather than thinking about the, con- the contributors. Who are the voices? You know, what does this thing need to sound like? You know, does it represent our brand? If you've got a very corporate brand, the worst thing you can do, I would argue potentially, is have very corporate voices. Mm. Again, if you think about corporate videos in different sectors – Oh my God. You know, it's just the, the straight piece of camera. Someone, you know, two camera shooters. <laughs> yeah. It looks a bit, ugh. Yeah. And then they wonder why people aren't, you know, the dwell time on a video isn't that great. Whereas for a good podcast, it may be a little bit challenging, but it's got to be informative. It's got to entertain. You've got to, I think you have to recognize how someone is going to consume it. Yes. Is it on a smartphone? Is it on the commute? Is it on a smart speaker? How? And I think if you can start with audience behavior, and understanding the, the 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 want and the desire of the people you're trying to reach and reverse engineer back, then I think you can start to build a good podcast. Mm. But the danger is for me to answer the question, what's the formula, and say, here's the criteria. There's no magic formula here. Oh, I don't know what I'm doing here, Howard. This is a waste of my time. I've come to learn. <laughs> the, the, the formula is... Will someone listen to this smiling, thinking, yeah, I've got something out of that? Yes, absolutely. And, and the key thing is, you know, we be challenging. 
Yeah, wouldn't it be amazing to have to, to listen to podcasts where actually, yeah, you, you learn, you're informed, but you're entertained because perhaps the voice you're going to hear is slightly different to the corporate voice you're going to expect if it's a brand. Mm. You know, if Red Bull, as an example, ran a pod, the podcast series, we or they do, but you'd expect the tonality of that to be different to one from HSBC. Oh, absolutely. And and I'd have been surprised if Red Bull wasn't, because they're a media company exactly. based. They're an extraordinary business, aren't they? Yes. I haven't heard their podcast. Sounds like it's worthwhile. Tuning into, be, I've not heard them myself, ah, but okay. I'm just, but I'm just saying to you. But if it's, it's the tonality of the brand. Yes, yes, there are certain brands who I think lend themselves very well to different styles. Yes, the the formulae, you know, the podcast. You know, if you if, if you look at the modelling in the US, the big brands that got involved with podcasting were disruptor brands yes. themselves, and that's because they viewed podcasting as a disruptive media. Do do you think in terms of, from a a brand point of view, if you are a kind of an HSBC, somebody reasonably dry, I suppose, this is a medium that's going to work for you in terms of producing your own content? Because, I mean, how interesting can that really be? How how engaging can that be? I mean, give me some... I think it can be. I think the the fact that you're HSBC, I think podcasts would be a great opportunity. And, and I'm sure we can go on iTunes and there will be HSB. I know, <laughs> yeah. I know a lot of the banks do have podcasts and I've, I've okay. seen this HSBC do, do have podcasts. But you've got the opportunity, if you want to change a little bit of the perception or the sentiment towards your brand, you have the ability to do it yes. with podcasting. Yes. Now, that's down to the bravery of the brand. As I said to you earlier, bravery and commitment are very, very important in terms of if, if you're going to produce. Because the bravery is you've got to do something that what people want to listen to. Absolutely. As and a, you won't really know until you put it out there as to, <laughs> as to whether you've achieved that, which I guess is the same with any creative media, really. You don't know until people start to engage with your content whether you've hit the spot or not. Yeah. And or you can test it. So again, for a lot of our clients, what we often recommend is after the first three episodes, if we're going down a production route, we research the listener. Mm, okay. In other words, against a pre- uh, agreed series of of KPI measurements of because if if it's about shifting brand sentiment, well let's measure it. Don't wait until twenty six fifty two weeks down the road and then to say, oh, well actually, do you know what? I think it might have worked. You you can do that. You can have proof points because the key thing is uh, podcasting is still quite embryonic. It's still evolving because there's so much of it of it there that's coming to the market and it, uh, the the pace at which it's accelerating its growth. So I think audience behaviour will shift every six months. I can see at the point at which people become more literate in knowing how to find what they want when they want to consume it, there's going to be greater pressure on the producers and if that, if you're a brand to make sure you are aligned to the expectation of the end audience. Yeah, I couldn't agree more with that. And the audience's expectations change all the time as well because the standard, I think, of podcasting is is raising. You know, you're, you, there are so many great podcasts available to listen to now. Uh, and, and every day you hear about a new one. Someone was telling me about a show called My Dad Wrote a Porno, which I haven't listened to yet, but she was absolutely raving about it. You know, so, so, that, so that's a fascinating one because okay. uh, My Dad Wrote a Porno has been around a few years. Okay. Um, one of the most successful in, term, in terms of podcasting uh, to, to made it to the, the limelight, should we say. The reason being is I believe that HBO – have just turned it into a TV series. I see, okay. So again, it's a very interesting trend that you've got a podcast that's built an audience profile that's done so well that it's now done a TV rights deal. God, that's really impressive, isn't it? So yeah. if you look at you know where podcasts are moving to, you've got Podcast Live. Now, Podcast Live is just having an audience 
and taking your podcast on tour. So this podcast, let's say the audience for this became, you know, very became very very successful, and you decide to go around the country. Well, there's a TV program called Question Time. Yes, it's a very very successful format as a TV show. It goes because it goes around the country. It has it has obviously it's as live when you watch it on a Thursday evening, but it has a live studio audience. Yes, that's recorded. But at, but again, for podcasting, podcast live is becoming a, a growing trend. Where actually people are saying, well, actually, actually, we've got a radio show. Wouldn't it be great to take the radio show on the road and monetize it that way? So the reason they're doing it is to monetize it. Mm, absolutely, be- because as I said to you, with with CPM modelling at eighteen twenty pounds, how on earth do you make money? as a publisher, how do you monetize? Unless mm. unless you're doing it for passion because of subject matter you're so interested in, which is great, which is, you know, if you look at radio in the early days, people who worked in radio were hobbyists. They were just passionate about making great radio. And podcasting is a little bit similar. People have got into podcasting because they're just really passionate about creating a great radio program that's available on demand. I, I think that's spot on because I know a few podcasters and for them, the, the monetization is irrelevant, really. They just love the process of getting behind a microphone, having a conversation and then producing that into something of value for their target audience. And that, and for me, that's kind of why I do it as well. But it supports some of my business goals as well. But actually, the process of sitting here having a conversation with you, Howard, is great. Uh, and it is with all the guests I get on because you all know so much more than me about the subject we're talking about, which is great. So I learn and hopefully my listeners learn at the same time. And it's it, you know it's a huge privilege for me to do that, I have to say. And it's great to, to – I mean, podcast live – Sounds a bit frightening for me, to be honest. I would much rather be sat in this environment where I know I can hit stop on the record and we can edit it out later on. But that's perhaps just my level of comfort in uh, in being on the stage, you know. Yeah, yeah. but it's what I, what I'm trying to demonstrate is just podcasting is not necessarily very. It doesn't have to be formulaic. Uh, yes, it's actually if you are a brand, you know, how many brands do town hall events? How many brands do roadshows where they go around the country, they they, they want to engage yeah. with different audiences in different formats. The ability to record it and then have it made available on demand as an audio file is podcast live. Mm. Yeah, okay. Yeah. So again, what people are doing is it's about building a community. How do you build audiences, build profile, build engagement? So if you are a corporate organization – Podcast Live could be, you know, many B two B organisations exhibit. They, they, you know, however large or small the event may be, but it's a platform to have a wider conversation. Knowing, as I said, if consumption rates are averaging twenty four minutes, wouldn't it be amazing to do a half hour live show recording? Knowing that actually, for those people that didn't attend, they can then listen back to the the as live on demand version. Absolutely. Yeah, I mean, I, I've talked with clients over the years many times about making the most of the activity that you're doing. So if you're doing an exhibition, if you're doing a roadshow, you know, let's make sure we've got the, the smarts in the same place. Let's use that opportunity to create assets. And Podcast Live is just another one of those that could quite easily come off the back and help you to really make the most of your marketing budget. So that makes sense to me. Absolutely. Yeah. I, I, can see, I can see the trend growing as more organizations recognize the power of audio. Yes. It's a very personal media. Yes. yes. You know, you, you know, again, there are the stats out that over 90% of people listen on their own, obviously. <laughs> but, you know, there is a growing trend. If you look at the US, voice-based search is nearly 50% of all podcast search. 
So will it be because of Alexa, Siri, and other, and other smart speakers? So again, there's a huge opportunity that if we adapt technology in the podcasting world, it's not just about the audio file being produced. It's about the visibility of it, make, making sure that your podcast can be found easily. Yes. So let's look at that a little bit, because as you've mentioned a few times, there are a lot of podcasts available on every different subject matter and area of entertainment. So how do you make sure that people find you? How do you, how do you get those listeners? Because that is a challenge. And a really big challenge as well for most podcasters. Yeah. I think the key thing is to recognize that you're a program producer. So it's a similar conversation to if I am the uh, exec producer, program controller at the BBC with a new series of Luther. What can I then do to maximize impact of people's awareness of the series coming and then to drive Mm. downloads to listen? Right. Well, can you leverage the talent? So, the, you know, so how many, so if you look at the BBC and the BBC do it very well, they will cross promote across all their databases. So if you're a brand, who owns the podcasting? So first of all, you know, it depends on who the key stakeholder is that's, that's adopted and sponsored in effect. Yes, we are going to do podcasting. And it's making sure that around the, uh, if I call it a select committee of all the key marketing functions, the, that podcast series is then supported, whether that be CRM, DM, digital media spend, inventory takeover on on the main portal. In other words, if you want maximum impact, it's not just about produce it and that's it. It's about the visibility. And I'd mm. actually argue yeah. when a client is measuring on download, which is not necessarily the correct met- metric to use, I hasten to add, okay. uh, because it's the quality of the listener. And consumption rate rather than how many downloads you've got then then from my perspective it's around how you get access to drive those people because if your metric was just downloads then quite simply increase your digital spend to support absolutely and that will drive more downloads so, so how do you how do you measure then the what metrics do you use then in terms of the quality of the audience that you're attracting and the the engagement rates. What what are you looking for there? That as a podcaster, I could use as benchmark to, to kind of. If you if you look at industry standards, you know, and uh, the data that's available. I mean, Edison Nielsen do it in the US. Yeah. Four DC do it in the UK. It's just trying to establish what is the average consumption rate. So, if consumption rates are twenty four minutes at the moment, if your podcast average listener. Its ship is getting seven, eight minutes, and you're a half hour podcast. Probably got some work to do. But you know, <laughs> doing something wrong. Yeah. yeah anything absolutely. around twenty minutes and plus, then you know you're in the ballpark of what is the norm. But again, you can then in, you know look at the audience. You know, ask them for feedback. What you tend to find is if within a podcast. So if, if you did an in read for your own podcast here and now, which was, and by the way, everyone, if you go to our social channels, let us know any feedback. You'll get immediate feedback. There's no reason why you can't do it. There's no reason why brands can't do that when they start producing. So the more insight you can get and feedback from your listener within your podcast environment, the better. Yes, that makes perfect sense. And in fact, I always do ask for feedback, but I haven't had much so far. So I'm hoping that that no news is good news, Howard, but possibly not. And and, and perhaps look at the again, not to be critiquing it, but the cross promotion. You know, yes. the, this is what I'm saying to you. The, the a key fundamental is. Yeah, you're very passionate about your subject matter, which is why you're you're producing your pocket, which is fantastic. But if you're if you're a major corporate brand 
It's about imagine the muscle of the entire marketing sphere and ecosystem within your organization really having a push around your behind your podcast. Suddenly you'll find you'll get a lot more insight, a lot more feedback. You get greater outreach. Yes. And it's at that point brands, from my perspective, become more invested in. Yes. Because they're committed. Absolutely. You know, if if a brand looks at podcasting and turns around and says, right, you know, I want to test it. I want to do an episode or three episodes or six episodes. What what do you expect to learn or, or gain from one, three or six episodes? Because with podcasting, it's about building momentum and a regularity. Is it they're being done weekly, fortnightly, monthly? How often are you letting people know? How's it been distributed? How are you then supporting that distribution? How much are you doing as a takeover yes. with Dira and the CRM teams yeah, and, and other? So even if you look at inReads, there's a very, there's a very successful uh, model out there that I tend to use. So there's a podcast called There's No Such Thing as a Fish. Personally, I find I, I love it. It's great. Yep. Um, it's from the producers of QI. Okay. And it is it's the kind of thing, it reminds me of true pursuit in the 1980s in other words you read something you kind of you listen to this podcast you learn something you would not normally have learned anywhere else you may never use this general bit of information or these three questions of information ever again other than maybe a dinner party occasionally <laughs> and going did you know that or a pub it's, quiz kind of thing yeah, yeah. it's that so yeah. so it's, it's it's entertaining it's informative but interestingly the economist is an advertiser within that podcast. Mm, okay. So they've obviously profiled the listener. Now, <laughs> does that mean I read the comments? But they've, they've profiled the listener of, of you know, the, the program and said, well, actually, people who are interested in news, factual information, trying to, to further their knowledge, actually, that might index well against The Economist reader. Yes. So The Economist have run a cam- uh, an advertising campaign in that podcast where they give a text link for a free subscription. Now, the economists have just renewed for another period of time because there is a direct call to action. Now, the, the, it's interesting because the economists themselves produce, I think, six or seven different podcasts. They might be up to eight now. But actually what they're doing is they're recognising that, and this is a lot of what happens with the likes of, of AudioBoom Acast, they'll cross-promote other podcasts and other content inside existing podcasts. Yes. So... It, you can offer a direct call to action, you can cross-promote, and it works. Yes. I, I'm not surprised. You know, I would imagine engagement rates are going to be high because when you're in that environment, and you mentioned it earlier as well, it's a very personal thing, actually. So I listened to I listened to Mark Maron with the WTF podcast. I love his show because he's so funny, and I feel like I know the guy because I've listened to so much of his work. But, of course, I don't. But it, you have that very intimate relationship with a podcast host, I think. You really get to know uh, their style. You get to know whether they're enjoying an interview or not based on how how they interact and engage with the, with their interviewee. And I, and I love that. And it doesn't surprise me that um, brands are able to use that as a way to get good calls to action, to get things to happen as a result of that advertising spend. Because you're in the moment. You know, you, you are really listening to that podcast. Yeah. And, and there's a huge opportunity for brands in the UK and yeah. agencies in the UK. Because what's interesting is the what they call an in-read ad, where the presenter actually talks the ad, um, is three times more impactful than a straight spot. Yes. So there's a I hu- didn't know that. That's really yeah. good. So okay, there's, yeah. there's a huge appetite at the moment for brands wanting to do in-reads. Now, in the US, that's not an issue. Because in the US, the radio ad market 
is very similar. In other words, because there is no regulator in the US on the radio ad market or the radio market, as an advertiser, as a media agency, I can buy in-reads across traditional radio advertising. And as an agency, I'm already used to and literate and geared for the fact that I'm buying the space with creative. Yes. The fascinating thing, if you look in the UK, because Ofcom regulates, you've got quite a siloed process with radio advertising. In other words, the planner plans it, the buyer buys it, and then the, and the production company, the creative, comes up and produces the creative. There is very little uh, expertise at the moment, because it's so embryonic in the UK, of how a media agency will buy in reads. Mm. Because the media agency is used to just doing a, a CPT or CPM deal. Yes. But yeah. to turn around and say, oh, and by the way, where's the script? Well, what do you mean script? Well, obviously, the presenter can voice your ad. Yes. They'll, they'll talk it. In other words, they'll just talk through, you know, maybe 36 seconds longer, but and in the style of the presenter. So there's a huge opportunity at the moment because there, there is a gap in the market because the media agencies in the UK currently, is this the radio department? Or digital department. It fits in between who's, somewhere, doesn't yeah, it? There's a gap. Who's, who's buying podcasts? But also, when I buy podcasts and I want in-reads, how do we get the in-read bit done? Because we're not producing a 30-second spot. Yeah. In other words, we're producing almost as exec producers but writing a, a sort of live presenter read script. Who does that? It's a huge opportunity at the moment for brands to actually start to shape a new modelling mm, okay. because it's the most impactful way if you're going to do an advertising approach into podcasting, yet it's very embryonic because we we don't have the same modelling of that of the US currently. Okay. So, so let's look at then two questions then. So in terms of brands that are doing podcasting really well, who are those that are doing it really well from a producing their own series point of view? And who are those that are doing it really well in terms of just using the media as, a, as another media channel? A podcast that's produced by a proprietor of a brand that I, I think is excellent is a guy called uh, Lawrence Jones at UK Fast. The, the the podcast is a small business podcast, but it's human. Ah, oh, good. <laughs> so, yes. in, in other, I think I think we're up to episode seventy something now. But his he, his guests, his interviews are real. They're human. And, and this guy's a very successful guy. He's the CEO of UK Files, MBE. You know, he's he knows what he's doing yes. in, in terms of business itself. But when I listen to his podcast, I feel as if it's someone talking to me not as a CEO. They're just talking to me as a human being who happens to be in business, dealing with the trials and tribulations of being in business. And that's what he's prepared to talk about and share. Yeah. And, yeah. Yeah. and it's, some, it's the emotional bit. Yeah. It's, not, it's, not, it's not about practical advice of, right, you know, get this, do that. It just talks to you. you, you know, he talks and the, and the podcast talks to me as a, as a consumer and a human mm. being whose job happens to be dealing with the trials and tribulations of business, which is very different to some of the podcasts I mentioned a bit earlier. Well, I won't name the names, but are organizations where you can sense that internally there's been a checklist, right, we're going to produce a podcast series. <laughs> yes. How do we do it? Right. Let's get known spokesperson slash celebrity who is seen as an independent third-party expert on retail. Based on what? Question mark. Let's have them interview different guests on different elements of doing business in retail. Oh, wow. <laughs> you know, and, and the trouble is, I said to you, because yeah. it sounds, because 
this, it sounds formulaic and it sounds as if the it's what the brand wants to tell me. I don't necessarily sell me their product suite, but it just it doesn't feel as real to me. Do you know what? As you were describing that, I was just rather rudely drifting away to a million and one marketing <laughs> meetings I've been in where we've been through that exact journey there. Uh, and it just occurred to me, you know, just describing that formula, I'm, I've lost it. You know, But actually before when we're talking about UK Fast and, and Lawrence Jones, Oh, it's brilliant. You know, I'm already looking forward to playing that podcast. So you can just tell by the the different approaches there that there's two different, completely different styles of show. Yeah. One of which I'm going to enjoy listening to, I'm going to engage, I'm going to recommend. The other one I might give five minutes. Yeah. But also what I'd say to you is if you look, you know, I, I spend a fair bit of time in Canada, North America, just researching the market because obviously they're a few years ahead of us. Um, there's a fantastic company out there run by a guy called Steve Pratt's company called Pacific Content. Um they produce some of the most amazing podcast series for brands. Yeah. Uh, they did one for McAfee, Charles Schwab, The Prue, where the, the the emphasis is the quality of production. Yes. Now, their heritage and background is national state radio. So this is the equivalent of perhaps a team coming out of Radio 2 in the UK and going, do you know what? We're going to start producing brand-funded podcasts, but we're not going to do is sell our soul. We're not going to produce the the formulaic commercial platform. What these guys do over there is they they will approach it right. We want to produce good programming, and they are producing spectacular shows that again in excess of a hundred thousand downloads per episode. And this is a this is brand funded content, but it's because their approach to it is making brilliant programming that the audience are going to want to listen to because they're focusing on the audience. And that's the bravery bit of a brand that, that that does it. In other words, the brand themselves need to be, they need to kind of let go a little bit and trust that a very good radio producer and production capability will understand what it takes to get a, a listener really involved mm. and really engaged. I hate, you know, the word engagement's thrown around a lot, but the listeners of those those shows come back time and time again, not by luck. It's not by two guy or two individuals sitting in the studio having a chit chat. It's because the production team behind it, with the commitment and the bravery of the brand, have said, right, we want to produce something that our audience and our community are going to want to listen to. Yes, yeah. That's the difference. You know, if I said to you, you've got podcast light. So the BBC, you'll often see images of people sat in the studio, microphone, having a chit chat. It's podcast light. It's quite relaxed. Whereas actually a radio program, a slot almost like serial style, will have production assistants. They'll have people to go and sort out the guests, they'll do the talent, they'll do some of the scripting. So the actual pre-production element that goes in behind the scenes, you don't necessarily get to see it, but the quality of the output as a program if you're a brand, is spectacular. Yes, absolutely. I think it's like all good marketing communications, the, the time you put into the prep and, you know, setting up the actual content asset and the formats, etc., is going to pay dividends for you. Because it's the easiest thing in the world to pick up a couple of microphones and just start having a conversation. But to have that quality of conversation, at least to the engagement that you're looking for, is, is much more difficult. Yeah. And how often have you sat with a brand where the foot, they start, how much will it cost? <laughs> rather than yes what's the impact going to be yes you know most times you speak to brands they'll turn and say oh how? and there's an expectation of cost being quite low because they think it's, it's microphones in a studio and a chit chat yes you know so the again whereas with with video and tv 
there's a perception. Oh, it's a lot more. It's a lot more equipment. It's much more difficult to, to yes, do. Yes, I can allocate more budget to that. There's a yeah. TV camera. Right. Yeah, yeah. But actually, good radio. You know, it doesn't start with how cheap is it. A good. If you're a brand looking at producing a series, what do you want as an output? Mm. Is this? Are you investing in podcasting because you recognise that? the the behavior of the audience is is that much different to other forms of marketing channels and platforms at the moment so what is the output we look are we looking for a, a direct call to action is it a sentiment piece you know what and and focusing on the outputs and the outcomes should be the priority and then reverse engineering to establish well what would we need to produce yes how would we have to distribute that how do we need to promote it to ensure we get those outcomes. It's like any, we've said this several times now. It's going back to getting the strategy right in the first place if you're a brand. You know, establishing what it is you want this to do for your business is the starting point. If you haven't had that conversation and you're starting out with, oh, I've got a couple of grand to spend. Let's, it's cheap. Let's do podcasting. Mm. It's kind of the wrong way around, isn't it? Yeah. What's the change we're looking to affect through this podcast is the starting point. Yeah. I mean, yeah. we've got some clients in the Middle East who I was with them last week. Very interestingly for me, they're producing podcasts now for internal comms purposes because they've moved to a mobile-first CRM system. So from their perspective, they're they're now looking to engage both internal and external mobile-first, so they're moving on to mobile-first. Audio being consumed on a smartphone device is how a lot of people are consuming podcasts. Mm, Yeah, absolutely. So they've moved. They're now now producing podcast series to reach their employees – through smartphone. They, they recognize that smartphone will, will be the distribution. That's really interesting. I would love to see how that works. I'm just trying, in my brain, you could probably see the puzzled look on my face as to, you know, as an internal comms vehicle, do I, do I want to listen to stories about work and on the train on the way home? Or I don't know. But it's, it's about the fact that it's, it's a smartphone-enabled yes. piece of tech. So. Yes. You know, if you look at Spotify's aggressive move into podcasting at the moment, <coughs> excuse me, they've you know they they announced recently they're committing five hundred million dollars into acquisitions in this podcast sphere. Right, I think they spent three hundred eighty million of that already. So and and they're making a big play because they've committed that twenty percent of their inventory will be non music based. They then announce that they are doing a deal with Samsung, so that Spotify will be preloaded on Samsung devices. So, you you, know, you said earlier, content is king, distribution is King Kong. Right? <laughs> so, yes. if you look at Spotify, the fact that they'll have suddenly have distribution through Sam, so get your Samsung device, Spotify is there, there straight away. Now, that's interesting because obviously Spotify uh, has the two models the subscription model and the ad funded model so they're probably obviously therefore trying to grow that ad funding model side by having a a massive extension the volume of content they've got through podcasting which i think is really interesting um and a spotify as a platform is great as well in terms of from a music experience point of view but i don't listen to podcasts through that but you'll be able to find your podcast through Spotify. Yeah. But again, what they're doing is that some of the deals they're doing is following the model of, if you look at Sky TV 25 years or 20, 25 years ago in the UK, the way in which they sold the subscription was through content. If you wanted to watch Premier League football, you had to have Sky subscription. Don't get me started on that one. That's a no. big bugbear right. in my mind. But, okay, no. yeah, but, yeah. And, but we're, you know, 25 seasons on, Next season, you want to watch Premier League football, you're going to need four or five different subscriptions. Yeah, that's right. right. 
because of the way the market's moved. But what Spotify have done is they're actually buying content with the view that actually, if you want to listen to those those very successful series, you need to be with Spotify. Yes. So I think the distribution model is very important. Mm. So I think from Spotify, they're, yes, they're looking at content and they've got distribution. So they're, you know, and I wouldn't bet against Spotify at the moment. No. But again, it's just in terms of the way the market is moving. I find it fascinating that actually, yeah, from an inter, you know, you know, we go back to the internal comms piece. If I have quite an eclectic workforce, disparate across more than one territory, smartphone proliferation is enormous. But actually, if I've got 20 minutes on my commute, the, the, you, know, you think of the days of old, how many members of staff will pick up a staff magazine? 20 years ago, it was the magazine, wasn't it? It was like, <laughs> oh, how many internal comms teams were were, contra- you know, were publishing these magazines? Oh, have a in the good old days, I was—I featured on the uh, front page of the Internal Commons magazine. I worked for Walker's Crisps at the time, and I was very proud. I was on the front page, and I saw it everywhere. I didn't see a single person reading that magazine. Yes. But the effort that went yeah. in to producing the magazine, whereas all that's happened is brands are now looking at, actually, how are people consuming their media? Yeah, It's a bit of downtime. So I could argue that a 15, 20-minute internal comms podcast, podcast once a month that you can just listen to through your smartphone or tablet device as and when you fancy is an effective route mm. to do it as long as you're driving people and making them aware of it. It's certainly be more impactful than a magazine. Yes. Certainly more impactful than a video. In other words, what brands are doing is they're moving and adjusting to how end audiences want to consume. Yes, which they should be doing anyway. That's yeah. just natural, isn't it? Yeah. You know, if you want to engage with your audience, well, how do they want to engage with you? Absolutely. So start there and you can understand. Howard, we could chat for ages. I have no doubt about that because I feel like we're just getting started. But I think we're well over that 24 minutes you've mentioned a few times. So... What I'd love to do is is just kind of bring it to a bit of a close here with two questions I always ask is where do you look for ideas and inspiration for producing great podcasts or for other marcoms that you're involved in or for even running your agency business, which is, a, again, that could be a whole different conversation if, if I'm allowed to come back. And then secondly, if people want to pick up the conversation, they want to have a, uh, a conversation with you about how can they use podcasting, how should they get in touch with you? So there you go. Two questions, your recommendations and how to get in touch. So inspiration, I, I'm a huge news junkie and I love following global markets. So in terms of podcasting at the moment, um, I follow markets that I believe have been innovative and leading and see trend um, and recognizing where the UK sits behind currently and obviously trying to make sure we course correct ourselves so that we are ahead of and prepared for where market trend moves us. The other route for inspiration is bizarrely my daughter. You know, she's, you know, a 20 year old, very, digital, savvy, literate, uh, brand junkie who consumes a lot of media. <laughs> yes. um, and as a 50-year-old, not quite dinosaur, but someone who likes to think I'm tech literate, but perhaps not as literate as I need to be, I look at different generations. Yes. So with my daughter, my, my, my dad's 86, I, I tend not to look at him for tech. <laughs> but I think it's eyes wide open. I think that we have a, you know, as, as the UK, we are... Very well equipped, but we have an island mentality at times. And there is, and podcasts are global, and yes. there's a big global landscape. Um, and I think there is a lot that marketers in the UK can learn 
by looking at slightly more mature markets in this space. Such as the US? US, Canada. Okay. I like that. And podcasting, as you say, it, it does have a global audience. And I think UK PLC, as it were, it needs to be a bit more outward looking than it is at the moment. Um, and that's a, another different conversation altogether. But I think that if brands can learn from the US and Canada and, and, and our counterparts over there that are doing this really well, that's a great place to start, isn't it? Okay. So, so if folks want to get in touch, what's the best way to reach out to Howard? Uh, email address will be howard at 4dc.co.uk. Excellent. Good old-fashioned email. We like that. Good old-fashioned. <laughs> Howard, thanks so much. I have learned a ton there. It's been really interesting. I hope that you've enjoyed the show as well. Been fabulous. Thank you. And uh, I will be taking you know these notes I've scribbled down before me very seriously. So thanks again. And uh, I hope you'll come back and join us again at some point. Love to. Thanks so much indeed. Super. <laughs>